0: Navigating the business world with biblical and business savvy can be very challenging. Well, I talked to Peggy Bode, who shares how we can lead and thrive in the marketplace. Have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Peggy Bode. Peggy, please tell us who are you and what are you about?
1: Hi, Priscilla. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. In my first career, I was a corporate leader. And after doing that for about 25 years, God called me into a new season. So I resigned my position as senior vice president and started my own business as a freelance writer. And at the same time, I started my foundation, which is called Sacred Work.
0: Well, we're honored to have you on the podcast, Peggy. Tell us what is Sacred Work?
1: Sacred work is my passion. So there were times as a corporate leader when I really Looked for and wished for a mentor who was a woman. The industry I worked in was male dominated. It could be pretty tough navigating the business world as a woman. So I made it a point to mentor other women inside and outside the company, and that became my passion. So when I resigned my position as the senior vice president seven years ago to start my own business, I wasn't ready to give up my passion, which is something I know God has called me to do. So I started my foundation, which is called Sacred Work. And it's my way of extending the love of Christ by offering free leadership and career coaching for women. I've also written a book called Sacred Work, Equipping Women to Lead with Strength, and it's being shopped around to Christian publishers right now.
0: So we're excited to know when that comes out. Thanks. I love your story, and I love that you're doing the work that you're called to do. I'm going to begin with something that I know a lot of people really struggle with. What steps can a leader take to regroup spiritually and professionally after being passed over for a business opportunity.
1: Love to talk about that. That's something that really resonates for me. I was passed over for a significant promotion late in my career, and it was painful. I was one of two candidates being interviewed for a position of CEO because my boss was retiring. And while I was in emergency surgery for my spine, the other candidate was interviewed and given the job. And I share this to say that I know how difficult it can be to have a business opportunity or a promotion not turn out the way that we had hoped. But based on my experience, I think there are three steps we can take to help us regroup professionally and as you said, spiritually, when something like this happens. So the first thing is we need to ask God what he's teaching us and pay attention when he responds. So in my case, God showed me that I had made my job an idol. So he had given me that job to provide for me and my daughter when I was a single parent, and I had dishonored that gift by allowing it to take over my life. So I think the first thing to do is turn our face toward God and ask him what he's trying to get our attention about, what he's trying to teach us. The second thing is it's really important to talk through what's happened with Christian friends and leaders or other entrepreneurs that we trust. So in my situation, the people in my inner circle, pushed me and asked me some really hard questions. Like, did you really want to be the CEO? Or were you just taking that step because you're competitive and an overachiever? Or you know, God is calling you to write. Why aren't you pursuing that? (laughs) So it's really good to have people that you trust who are fellow business leaders, entrepreneurs, Christian friends, who will speak the truth into the situation. And I think the last thing is, don't waste the lesson or opportunity. So when we get passed over, a business opportunity doesn't happen, materialize like we think it should have, or we get passed over for promotion, that experience can become a powerful catalyst for change if we let it. So in my case, God used the situation to reset my priorities and take his rightful place on the throne. And he also used it to help me practice forgiveness and grow in humility. But on a career level, getting passed over helped me make the decision to pivot out of corporate. And transition into working for myself as a full-time writer. So those are my recommendations on how to recover and get back on track after we lose a promotion or a business opportunity.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that, Peggy. It's great to hear from just your own perspective of how you navigated that. To go back to the fact that you were corporate and then you moved into being a writer, an entrepreneur, how did you navigate that transition, because it's quite a big transition. And a lot of our listeners are in a space where, they, you know, whether through circumstance or through choice trying to navigate that transition.
1: Thank you for that question. I've had a lot of people who work in corporate ask me this question because they're considering stepping out into becoming an entrepreneur. And again, I have to go back to the first step is to pray about it. Make sure that you have clear direction from God. But the second thing is to create a plan. So in my case, before I made the switch, I actually worked parallel, which was really hard, but I highly recommend it. So I actually wrote as a freelance writer, I made sure that I could get an income from doing that while I still had my corporate job. The awesome thing about remote work and freelance work is that you can control how much or how little you do. So, I only took on a couple of assignments which allowed me to keep working in corporate while I did that. So, I think it's important to plan and part of that is if you're able to doing the other work as a side gig for at least a year before you leave your current position. The other thing is to ask other entrepreneurs who are doing what you're doing. So talk to as many people as you can. I built a spreadsheet and (laughs) I put um, their advice in there, their cautions, anything that I could glean from their experience that would help me step into success I did that. And it really helped me create a solid plan. So I think we have to pray. We have to work parallel, talk to other successful entrepreneurs who have made the switch. Um, If anyone's listening and would like to talk to me further about that, I'd be happy to help them and talk to them for my experience. I think that's important. Then I think, too, you have to trust the process. So it's a little scary once you step out from under that umbrella of corporate world. It's a little scary to venture into being your own boss, even though it is exciting. But if you have done the homework in creating the plan, then at that point, you have to trust the process. You just have to keep grinding (laughs) every day and it is possible. So I want to encourage anyone who is listening. If you pray and plan and trust the process, you can do it.
0: Great sound advice, Peggy. What has been the biggest surprising challenge and surprising favorable thing about your transition from corporate to being a writer full time?
1: I think the biggest challenge when I first started out as a full time writer was getting used to a couple of things that were very opposed to my personality. (laughs) So the first one is you have to chase business. I think this is true regardless of what industry an entrepreneur works in. So in my case, as a writer, my first year, I wrote everything from ad copy for car companies to autobiographies for people, whatever I could do. I had to chase after that work. You have to grind and pursue it because you're new, you're starting out, you're starting at the bottom. That was hard because when you work for corporate, you have your steady paycheck, you have the same job every day. So this is a very Difficult shift to make. The second thing that was hard for me is you don't have the structured schedule of corporate any longer. So on one hand, it's awesome to have the freedom. You know, I live at the mountains. I can take a hike at lunch every day. You know, you can have flexibility, but that also means like in my case as a writer, I may have deadlines on the weekend. I may have to work through holidays. There are deadlines that shift and change. I used to be in control of. The schedule and then as an entrepreneur, the schedule kind of controls you. That was a big challenge, but you also asked about what has been the best thing. Again, I have two answers. One is that God has allowed me time to work on my ministry because I'm a freelance writer and I have flexibility. I can work on my foundation. And I can help other women and I don't feel so pressed for time. Second awesome thing is the flexibility I mentioned because, you know, I can take a road trip and still work. At the same time, or I can control the fact that I have time to exercise and get outside every day. So there are pluses and minuses to everything, but I think this season of life is definitely my favorite.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I think going
1: to prepare someone
0: who's thinking about that transition. I kind of expect this and that. So thank you for sharing your experience.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, as a mentor or coach to women leaders, what do you see as a recurring block to? their greatness and how do they overcome it?
1: So as far as working with women leaders, especially Christian women leaders, I think that the biggest block I see is that Christian women leaders feel conflicted about their role as a Christian and their role as a leader. So what I mean by that is they think that one role compromises the other. And as a result, they feel conflicted and they feel inadequate in both roles. Even though women have come a long way since I first started 25 years ago, they still struggle with feeling as if they shouldn't be working outside the home or feeling that they should be using their leadership skills to lead ministry instead of corporations. And what I tell them is it's very stressful when we see these roles as separate and competing, but they're really neither. So I encourage them to overcome that struggle by accepting that our identity in Christ is sacred. So his calling for us to lead in the workplace is sacred too. We don't have to choose between the two.
0: That's a great answer. And I can very much relate to what you're saying, because a lot of times people say, you know, if you're going to talk about business, you shouldn't quite talk about faith, trying to put them together, or people feel a certain way about those two things being spoken about together.
1: That's so true.
0: So as Christian business leaders, we tend to avoid or feel conflicted about self-promotion, about talking money and Christ together, about how to handle conflict, and about having to fire someone.
1: These are really very relevant and great questions. Self-promotion is another block that I've seen women struggle to deal with. And I think the reason for that is that Climbing the corporate ladder seems worldly, and I've had women tell me that it feels dishonoring to Christ when we promote ourselves, but self-promotion doesn't have to be counter to our faith because God looks at the motive behind our actions. I think the devil really zeroes in on this area. He doesn't want God to be glorified, so he trips women up with guilt and confusion to keep us small. And once we realize that God expands our reach to expand his reach, then we experience freedom to pursue the career opportunities he's put in our path. God didn't create us to live small.
0: I do get what you're saying, that people feel like it's kind of being prideful, self-promote, or being seen as not being humble. Well, men and women, but women more than men, I think, make themselves small just to get along.
1: You are right, Priscilla.
0: Mm-hmm. Talking about money and Christ together. I think this is a one of those big ones too.
1: This makes me think about a year or so ago, I was talking with a friend about a Christian therapist I was seeing who was helping me work through some trauma from childhood. And my friend said, well, if she's a Christian, she shouldn't charge people. And I said, What? please show me that in the Bible. But for some reason in Christian circles, when we start talking about money, that has to do with whether a woman is a Christian leadership coach and she actually charges for what she does or pastors getting paid. It's a generalization, but overall, I think Christians get a little bit up in arms about money in general, but the Bible's clear that we need to be good stewards of all that God has given us. And that includes money. So as Christians, I think we need to become more comfortable talking about money. It's part of business. It's a part of life. I can say the same thing about money that I said about self-promotion. God expands our reach to expand his reach.
0: That's so true. Thank you for that. And another interesting area is how to handle conflict.
1: This is a good topic to talk about because leaders will inevitably have to deal with conflict, whether it's office politics, people who don't get along, cross-departmental disagreements. People are relational, and relational conflict is going to happen in the workplace. So I think the first thing is, as leaders, we have to enter conflict from a place of honor. So our behavior and words have to honor God and all parties involved. And then secondly, I think we need to act quickly to manage conflict. It's obviously not our favorite thing to do, but when we fail to address it in a timely way, then I think it can spread through and affect the entire organization. And I think the last thing I would say is that as leaders we should keep the perspective that conflict can actually be a positive it can be a positive thing because it can be a way to achieve positive change and help us work toward building a stronger workplace.
0: I'd never thought of it this way, the idea that you should think about how can you do it in a way that honors God, because that changes everything.
1: It does. That posture is very different from um, having to be a disciplinarian or coming at it from having to be right.
0: You came from a male dominated corporate environment. How did you find that as a Christian woman trying to handle conflict in that kind of environment?
1: It was bumpy at first. Because I mentioned posture earlier, and because I was surrounded by men, I kind of, I think, over-asserted myself because I felt like I had to downplay the softer side of me. And as leaders, we can be kind and still be strong. But early in my career, I hadn't learned that yet. It took some hard lessons. But gradually and I feel like God was my greatest mentor in this, I learned that you can come from a place of strength, a place of respect, a place of honor, and you can address conflict without feeling threatened or without feeling that you have to posture yourself over someone else. It wasn't easy, but that's also one of the reasons that I love to mentor women today because there are a lot of women who work in industries that are dominated by men. And I like to take what I learned the hard way to help them learn the easy way. That's great. As you're
0: speaking, I even feel the difference. I'm thinking, okay, if you did things that way, that would totally feel different. Even the person receiving it on the other end, even if they don't know what they're feeling, they can feel that there's a difference in the way things have been handled. How do you deal with having to fire someone?
1: Uh this is hard. This is something I counsel women on now because Frequently, because it is difficult. It doesn't matter why the person has to be fired. It never gets any easier. So it's something that remains difficult. I don't care how many years of experience you have. There are a few steps that I think leaders can walk through to help them with this difficult process. The number one is to seek counsel from the Holy Spirit. So I think when we bring it before God, it allows us to see all sides of the issue. And we also have the opportunity when we do that to evaluate our own responsibility and what's happened, because I think that's important. So seek wise counsel from the Holy Spirit would be the first thing. The second thing is that when we interact with the employee in question, we need to keep it short and truthful. You know, even Jesus in Matthew 5 says, all you need to say is yes or no. He dismisses the practices of making oaths and says, just speak the truth. So when we're terminating someone, we don't need to try to gloss it over. We don't need to drag it out. Be direct, be direct and stick to the topic. The third thing is to speak the truth in love, just like scripture says. And I think the more difficult the truth is to hear, the more loving and gentle we need to be. And I've experienced that many times employees who hear the truth during a termination will use that experience to correct problem areas. And also it helps them find careers that are more suitable for their skills. So how we handle that difficult moment can actually set them up for success in their next position. And I think the last thing is to exhibit grace, you know, treat the person with respect and dignity. Don't try to make an example of them or parade them out the door in front of everyone. Something I always try to do is plan the meeting before or after the standard work day, provide resources to help the employee move on, such as career counseling or job search assistance. So I think seek wise counsel, keep it short and truthful, speak the truth in love, and then treat the person with respect and dignity.
0: Being able to speak to you for just a short amount of time. I'm very excited to get your book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, Priscilla. That means a lot to me. I will send you a copy when it's published.
0: (laughs) We need more of this. We need more of these kind of conversations that are Christ-centered in how we do business. So thank you for that. Now, Peggy, how do we exchange stress for assurance when we're navigating crisis with business and biblical savvy? I love that I already get that business and biblical savvy from you.
1: I think we have to plan for crises. We have to anticipate that they're going to happen. The Bible and even the times that we live in today show us that difficult seasons are going to cycle through. So for example, in present times, we had 9-11, we had the economic crash of 2007, 2008, and then we had the pandemic. So you can see that there are seasons of crises. Difficult seasons are going to come So we have to plan for them before we arrive. And what I always tell women that I mentor is that our team's ability to deal with crisis often hinges on the culture we developed before the crisis hit. So what does that mean? How do we develop a culture that thrives before during and after a crisis for me i have some questions that i ask women that i'm mentoring and those questions are number one does your work culture lend itself to problem solving and collaboration number two do employees feel comfortable voicing concerns and questions and the last one is are you already known as a leader who brings calm, resilience, optimism into difficult situations and circumstances. I think it's important that we ask these types of questions before a crisis hits so that our company's employees, relationships, and culture come out stronger on the other side. That's a long answer to say we have to plan for a crisis before it hits. And the best foundation to withstand a crisis is a strong engaging work culture. So we have to build that before the crisis comes.
0: That's very true. Hey, thank you so much. And I always ask these as our last two questions. What is the number one book or resource that you would recommend for an early entrepreneur?
1: My bookshelves are full of books. So this was really hard for me because my earliest mentors, besides the Lord, were all So this is a tough question for me. But for an entrepreneur, a book that I read recently is Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action by Simon Sinek. That would be my latest recommendation specifically for entrepreneurs. It's an awesome book. And I think that Starting with why is pertinent for all of us, whether we are leaders in corporate, entrepreneurs, or leaders of ministry. I think we have to ask ourselves why and everything builds out from there. So I highly recommend that book.
0: Thank you for that recommendation. What has faith meant to you on your journey?
1: Faith has meant everything to me. So God has been a faithful, wise mentor to me. When I had no one else to turn to, he was there. And I can tell you that everything I've accomplished professionally is because of him. I give him the glory.
0: Uh, to our audience, please, to learn more about what Peggy does and to connect with her, please go to www. Peggybode.com. That's P-E-G-G-Y B-O-D-D-E com. And Peggy, where are you most active online where people can learn a little bit more about what you do?
1: I am most active on LinkedIn because obviously that is a platform where professionals get together. So I love that community. And I actually have a group, a private group for Christian business women that you can access through LinkedIn. It's also called Sacred Work. So I would love it if any of your listeners, men or women, would connect with me over on LinkedIn. And for women, if you'd like to join the group, send me a request, and I would love to have you.
0: Thank you for sharing so much wisdom with us. And we wish you the best and are excited to hear what's happening with your book.
1: Thank you again for having me and I hope that your audience heard something that can help them as they lead in the workplace.
0: For more information, freebies and clips from various episodes, please follow us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com. Thank you so much for your time. We absolutely value your time and even more, we value your feedback. Don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you so much and see you again next week.